Welcome everybody to another cast here on the Game Wisdom channel. I am Josh Placer, and once again we have another discussion about game design. For our topic this week, we are returning to loot boxes and the recent bill, and discussing what this could mean for loot boxes in the future, as well as just how things can maybe improve or get worse for free-to-play design. And joining me again is a fan of the channel, as well as a repeated guest. He is a game economist, Ramin Shokazad. Hi, Josh. Yeah, I'm hearing you on both uh, Discord and YouTube. Uh, uh, you can mute the YouTube one. That should get rid of that, because the YouTube will be delayed by at least like four or five seconds. So which one should I close? Uh, you can close the YouTube one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, we has a few uh, technical difficulties uh, getting Ramin to use a uh, set of Discord chat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, okay, as you can see, uh, Ramin is currently in his hammock this time. Uh, we were just talking. Yes. Every time <laughs> Ramin comes on, on my, he's in a more on my cat. balcony in Austin. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Very, the next time you'll be like a nice little gazebo, maybe with like a pool in the background. Uh, you know, or my bathtub. No, there we go. <laughs> now I'm still in my uh, same old office here. I need to dress this place up. I think. <laughs> but, but it is a pleasure to have you back on. It feels like again, like we just spoke. What was it, like four or five months ago? It feels like it's been like a, a year or so since our last little chat. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, fortunate things, exciting things keep happening in our industry, so there's never a shortage of things to talk about. No, there is not. It's been getting pretty uh, busy around here. Oh, it seems to me a little bit louder. There we go. Uh, I've been uh, doing more with working on a second book, and I started contacting more libraries about doing presentations with them. I'm basically hmm. opening things up all over, so I'm going to be busy calling a lot of people over the next few months. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I know for you, you are currently working with, I think it's Two Dogs, and you guys just launched the Kickstarter for your game, Destiny Sword. We did. We did. Mm-hmm. So uh, for people watching us right now, live or recorded, before we get into our loot box chat, I think this may kind of like infer on it, what is Destiny Sword? Wow, Destiny Sword, uh, at first glimpse, it's kind of like a combination between The Sims and maybe Starship Troopers, but it's a massive multiplayer, super social game where uh, everything, uh, you're, you're cooperating with your uh, entire team, which can be up to 60 people uh, in the end game. Uh, and uh, it's very different in that you're sending your, your units into combat, but uh, instead of them magically being restored after every battle, they take uh, mental and emotional stress, and you have to treat that between the battles, including by talking to them. Uh, so uh, you get to develop a very personal relationship with your your units, and they can they can experience uh, this all the regular forms of stress that a per, that a combatant could encounter in, in a in a combat environment, including PTSD, anxiety, depression, phobias, even self harm, addiction. Uh, and you have to deal with all that in order to keep your units in fighting condition. Mm -hmm. And I know over the last few casts we spoke that you were working on like this with two dogs behind the scenes. How long has kind of like development on the game been going? 
Uh, well, I've been I've been on the team for more than a year, and mm-hmm. we got at least another year to go. Okay. And for those of you watching this right now, either live or recorded, the cast is, or I'm sorry, the Kickstarter is currently going on. I'll put a link to it in the chat there. I'll also include a link to it in the description below for those of you watching this recorded. But uh, definitely, again, like I know from our previous cast, like we've been talking about kind of this idea of ethical free-of-play design or ethical monetization when it comes to these titles. And like we were saying a few minutes ago, that kind of is like going to be our segue into talking about the loot box bill. So, um, now obviously with the game still in Kickstarter, we can't go into too much into specifics, but I guess like, I guess not NDA breaking, what have kind of, what has been like kind of like your role in terms of like shaping like the monetization or the free-to-play elements? Well, I'm doing the metagame design, so that means I'm responsible for the business model, including all the free-to-play things. How do we how do we charge for free-to-play, which is like the topic of this conversation? Uh, progression systems, reward systems, social systems, uh, game economy. Uh, we actually have a game economy. Um, so uh, all that stuff that would happen between the actual after you know between the actual combats, but the the glue that holds people together. That's what I'm building. Great. And yeah, like we said, like with a lot of the games that we've been playing, I know on our previous cast, we kind of talked about how when it comes to most free to play or mobile or so, I'm sorry, uh, multiplayer MMO or social based games, that it's only become a far different market than what we were playing, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Well, I mean, uh, Destiny Sword is really pushing the envelope as far as what's possible. In, in a game people ask us what it's like and it's it's almost a little bit tough to explain because it's not like anything that's come before mm-hmm. that's probably the biggest difficulty we have in communicating what our game is, is that it just isn't similar enough to anything before it uh, to make it that easy to explain mm-hmm. one second sorry uh I just want to make sure, for the people watching this live right now, this is public. This is considered a public video. Again, I was telling Rami before we started, like, YouTube's been acting, like, very weird sometimes. So some of these streams are updating things. So I just want to make sure for the people watching us live right now that this is a public stream. But uh, while I'm waiting for a response to that, yeah, like, as you were saying, like... Especially with something like Destiny Sword and just with mobile and online games in general, it's very hard, I think, for a lot of people to understand, you know, what makes it unique. Like, what makes, what separates Destiny Sword from any of the other number of, you know, either idle or quote unquote RPG or strategy games that we see on the mobile scene? Well, I mean, everything has consequences. Yeah. Uh, if you if your unit gets injured, you actually can uh, send out an alert through notification to the rest of your team, and they'll start logging in to actually do triage on your unit to try to patch them back up uh, so that they're ready again for the next fight. Uh, so there's this there's this interaction where you're depending on your whole team in order to be successful, and we're trying to make it very uh, much so that no one person can do everything by themselves. Because we don't want it to be a massively single-player game. Yeah. We want it to be as social mm-hmm. as possible. Mm-hmm. Now, I gotta ask, did you take any cues or lessons from the Shattered Galaxy when you were coming up with Destiny Sword? 
the gameplay is is very different. Uh, it's you know, Shadow Galaxy was like fifteen on fifteen, real time tactical battles. Whereas here, uh, some of the some of the action is uh, is just you versus the AI, and then other action is going to be like multiple players on your team fighting a boss or going through a, a series of of trials together. Uh, but it's it's not going to be the type of grand PvP mm-hmm. thing that was attempted with Shattered Galaxy, which really hasn't quite been replicated yet. Yeah. Now, I guess in terms of the monetization side, and again, this will probably be our segue into loot boxes, how have you been like thinking about the metagame or the monetization of Destiny Sword, and again, trying to avoid a lot of the traps and, as we've talked about previously, like the unethical side of free-to-play? Well, there's no loot boxes. <laughs> there's no pay-to-win. Um, it, it, the, the monetization is very long tail meaning i'm trying to uh, encourage people to play the game for up to a year or longer uh so the monetization model uh actually uh, in in most games the price is a certain amount and the more you you, as you keep playing the price continues to be the same and but actually usually for most games the utility what you're gaining from the game is highest at in the beginning yes and then goes down as you start to get more bored with the game uh, so my model is different. Uh, I actually give you more value as time goes on, significantly more value. So to make up for the fact that maybe you know it, you're already getting used to the game. So uh, there's a lot of uh, veterancy rewards built in. Uh, I have a micro subscription system, which is is itself a strategic element. So uh, you have a lot of choices on what you want to do for your subscription, and which choice you 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 choose makes a big uh, has a big effect on your gameplay, and you can change it up if you want uh, over time. So uh, that's that itself is a choice that affects your your everything else. So I mean I don't want to go into too much detail this early, but it's mm-hmm. uh, but the monetization model itself is a gameplay element. Mm-hmm. without being a pay-to-win aspect. And of course, making that distinction is probably going to be one of the mo- more challenging aspects for not only Destiny's Sword, but also for the free-to-play market going forward. And like we were saying, I think this is probably our best segue into our main topic, and that is talking about what is going on with the free- free-to-play market, and more specifically with the loot box law. So, or I'm sorry, loot box bill. So for those of you watching us right now who don't know what we're discussing about, I would say, I think it's been like, what, a week to two weeks from the time of this stream that a proposed bill is going through right now regarding making it illegal to have loot boxes in games. And this is definitely causing a lot of concerns among basically everybody. From people who are not so happy about the government stepping in to litigate or control the game industry, from free-to-play developers saying what will happen to their livelihood, and it's only caused a lot of discussions. So, at this point, for those of you who watched our previous talk, this next part's going to look a little bit familiar, which should be familiar, but I'm going to bring back up the bill. We have it here in my browser, so that way you can kind of look at it while we're discussing it. So give me one second here. There we go. 
Now, is there a way I can see it? I, right now, I just see myself on Discord. If you go back to the YouTube stream, you can look at the oh. footage there. You can mute the uh, YouTube video, so that way you won't hear me. Uh, okay, let me try that. See how I can do that. Um, <laughs> sorry for the technical difficulties. All. Uh, While you're doing that, we'll take some drinks here. There we go. I see it. Okay. All right. So there is certainly a lot to go over with regards to this. But I guess the first question for you, Ramin, I think should be hopefully a simple one. But uh, I know you were talking about this on Gamma Sutra when the bill was first proposed. But what are, as somebody, again, who studies free-to-play design, who's building one, and about demonization, what do you think about the bill? I've read the entire bill. Mm-hmm. Um the, the one thing that's missing from the whole bill and from everything I've read is intent. Uh, I don't I don't know what their intent is with this. I don't know what prompted them to decide to do this now in this fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that kind of has me curious. But but looking at it, it basically sounds looks like it's. Uh, I mean, frankly, if you look at the details. Uh, even their description of uh, pay to win, which is a little bit more down there, yeah. um, it's uh, the things that they describe as being pay to win are actually so broadly painted that uh, they would even include the products that I've made, which are strictly not pay to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't think uh, I can't imagine it's hard. Other than a game that just entirely uses cosmetics with no functional purpose, I can't imagine a single free-to-play model that would pass muster under these descriptions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, and yeah, we're going to be scrolling down this whole thing, or at least the majority of it. But yeah, and that was the thing. Like when we t- we spoke about this on our live show about I think two weeks ago. And the developer who I was talking to, he is working on his own uh, free-to-play game, a, a CCG of his own design. And from what he was describing, what he was saying, like, this bill sounds like it would just destroy everything. Because as you just said, I mean, that it's very uh, gray in terms of what they consider to be, quote-unquote, pay-to-win. And again, that term itself, that sparks, you know, an hour-long discussion we could have. Yeah, let me see if I can uh, find on my on-screen what uh, the exact sections I'm thinking of here, uh, so you can find them a little easier. But there's the when they start to talk about pay-to-win, it's uh, the right pay-to-win microtransactions section seven. Um, okay. Uh, if you look at section seven, I one. Let's see. Pay to win. Is this it right here? Pay to win microtransactions. Uh, I think this could be it. On page seven, we're doing a real-time uh, legal analysis here. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, is that is that? Wait. wait, wait. I think this is it. Pay to win microtransaction. The term pay to win microtransaction means an add-on transaction to a interactive digital entertainment product. Um, yeah, go down a little bit. Okay. 
Okay, now it's only about... Yeah, you're, I see 7A mm-hmm. and then I, but you want to get all the way down to 7AI1. Exclusions. Okay, is this it? User's progression. Um, I don't... We're doing a real-time navigating here. <laughs> my my YouTube of yours isn't updating for some reason. Yeah, sometimes I've seen that if you click the live button, like on the video, it may uh, shoot it for a little bit more. Like I've seen that. Okay. It's weird. There we go. Okay. 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 Can you tell so me what line? Okay, so see that eases a user's progression mm-hmm. through content otherwise available with in the game without the purchase of such transaction. Now, that's a very broad paint stroke, mm-hmm. eases the progression. So for instance, uh, the the consumer-friendly uh, subscriptions that were in World of Tanks or World of mm-hmm. Warships or, or even in the game I'm building now, Destiny Sword, mm-hmm. which would give you, um, might, might allow you to progress a little bit faster, mm-hmm. but not in a way that would allow you to uh, Take it, use that against another player. Uh, that would be prohibited under under this bill. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because, and because it doesn't have anything to do with. It. They're not even talking about whether you could harm another player or disadvantage another player mm-hmm. with this model, which is the to me the key aspect of pay to win. Yeah. Uh, they're talking about it being a competitive game, but they don't talk about the. They don't. There's no requirement here that, that you would be disadvantaging anyone else by getting your advantage. Yeah. Uh, so something would allow you to go through the game faster or, or eat through your own the content faster would now be um, prohibited. Yeah, and like we said, like when it comes to like the CCG market, for instance, or any game where you know a major part of the monetization model is accessing new content. Would this affect a game like a CCG where you where they release a new card? You know, a new card could mean more power. So would that fall under this law? Or, you know, any MOBA style game with new champions or any any kind of new gameplay affecting content could fall underneath this. The, since I since I I can't imagine a single monetization model in free to play. Mm-hmm. That would that would satisfy this this agreement, and I haven't made one, even though I've been working on these for twenty years with the specific intent of, of eliminating mm-hmm. free to play, eliminating gambling, eliminating anything that would be, in my opinion, adverse to, to children. And I've worked with regulators on the subject since two thousand thirteen. Yeah. Uh, since I can't imagine something that would pass the level of strictness of this bill, I, uh, I come to one conclusion, which is that this would eliminate access to any free-to-play game for children. Yeah. Or, as the bill says, any game that may ha- have children playing the game as well, because that was one of the uh, stipulations at the top, that if you know or, that oh, children are playing your game, even if it is considered unrated... Right, right now, we don't really have uh, strict safeguards to prevent children from playing our games. Right. And in many cases, without giving some obvious names here, there are uh, there are many games, especially on mobile, that use like a Comic Sans animation style uh, with the the with the 
and with characters looking like small children with big heads and such. Uh, this is very popular on mobile, and this is just screaming out uh, as being something that would be aimed at children. Yep. They can the, the the people doing this can say, "Oh, we're not aiming this at children." They can say this all day, but if their mm-hmm. their animation style is is of that sort, then it's very clearly mm-hmm. the type that children think is aimed at children, and that's really what matters here. Yeah. Um, now, this is one of the weird things. Like when I was looking at this bill the last time, this one kind of stood out to me under exclusions hmm. about difficulty modes. Like, why you would- can make it harder. But you can't make it easier. Yeah. Like, that was just, like, such a weird, like, inclusion to me. Like, why was that being specifically mentioned? Like, I can't... Again, I'm going to refer to your knowledge on this one. I mean, like, are there free-to-play games that have, like, difficulty modes like this? Or things that make it harder unless you pay money like, along those lines? Well, I mean, if, if the game is going to have some competitive elements, mm-hmm. why would you want the game to be harder? What's the what's the advantage of that? And if there was an advantage of that, you couldn't have it. Mm-hmm. So it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm still trying to figure out what they were thinking when they wrote this. Yeah, and that's kind of what we were discussing as well. Like the last time, I know a few people in chat were kind of bringing up their thoughts. Like, and like this is like the weird thing because the issues that we've been talking about in terms of loot boxes, you know, the Battlefront Two controversy. Uh, for honor before that and so on i mean this is like at least a year plus and this bill was just introduced about two weeks ago so it does seem kind of like weirdly as to why it's going now as opposed to more people talking about this again when we were kind of like in the heights of like the loot box discussions a few weeks or i'm sorry a few months ago well, any sort of lag is good expected when you're, you're talking yeah. about something going to legislators. But I'm but I'm curious as to what caused them to decide that they want to do this. And this isn't this isn't just one person. This is actually, and it's not even just one senator. And we only have a hundred senators in the United States. And this is this was produced by three of our one hundred senators, mm-hmm. one Republican and two Democrats. So this is a this is a bipartisan Senate origin bill, which to me suggests that it's a pretty heavy-duty bill uh, with a pretty good chances of passing in some form. Uh, I, I, I just don't know how we would continue to make games under these restrictions using free-to-play without just saying mm-hmm. we have to have some way of, of screening out all children who play our games. And mm-hmm. that's, that's not explained how we're going to do that in the in the bill. I think it would just fall on our laps to figure out how to do that. Yeah. But uh, I know they do that in Korea, but they do that by requiring a, the equivalent of a social security number to log in to play a game. Yeah. Uh, that way, they know who you are, and they can they can they can segregate the minors from the adults using that method. We we tend to be um, much more laissez faire as far as authenticating who mm-hmm. is on the internet doing what. Uh, but here we'd have to have some sort of very rigorous authentication method to make sure um, you know, every uh, free-to-play game here would be rated M for mature. Uh, we'd have mm-hmm. to have a very, very strict way of gating out all children from these types of games. Yeah. And if and I scroll down a little bit further to another one of those exceptions when they talk about additional game content, and again, like this is very muddy in terms of what they're actually meaning. So... They're saying that you can have add-on 
an add-on transaction that can be purchased only once, but as long as it does not ease a user's progression through content, but then right. that would basically restrict any kind of new weapons or any kind of new content you would add in because it could help someone with someone that was already in the game. Yeah, it, it's very clear. That there seems like it's very much aimed at a single-player experience. Because mm-hmm. I don't know how you would do that in a multiplayer competitive environment uh, without tripping all these other conditions. Yeah. And of course, uh, in section 11, it talks more about loot boxes. Loot boxes random, randomized or partially randomized fashion, locks a feature, allows users to make one or more additional add-on transactions. And again, like, from what they're saying, like, with these definitions, like, it just sounds like this would completely gut the free-to-play market if it went exactly like this. Right. I mean, they, they say that, that subscriptions are allowed, mm-hmm. but the subscription can't give you any advantage over a non-subscribed person. So basically, we'd be going all the way back to binary-gated yep. you, yeah, your subscriptions where you need a subscription login or, or mm-hmm. no subscription means you can't log in. Uh, the old all-you-can-eat subscription model uh, that, for instance, World of Warcraft launched under. Uh, I, I went to great pains to detail what the problems are with that model, yep. both for the consumers and for the developers. Uh, so that's not that's not necessarily an improvement for anyone. Um, I mean, there's ways to make that work, but they're not necessarily that obvious. You have to... Uh, one of the biggest problems we have at games, especially games games that aimed at children, but really aimed at anybody, is that the longer you play, the more of an advantage you get over other other players, and that's still completely legal under this condition. So you could have a game where where you're not allowed to have. There's no way you can get an advantage over another player other than by playing more. Mm-hmm. And so we're really encouraging people to play more, uh, maybe play all the time. And and as you know. When I talk about threat generation or a lot of my uh, more recent uh, discussions, like in the, um, the physiology of gaming, it's, it's when we try to force people to game yep. basically all day yep. is when uh, they, can, they can become seriously harmed, uh, both in the short and long term, by playing a game with, that doesn't allow you to rest, doesn't allow you to, to... It forces you to compete between the game space and the real space. Yep. And that, that's not addressed here at all. So no. some no. of my biggest concerns, um, especially when it comes to children's gaming, aren't addressed at all in this bill. Uh, but some of but what they did go the things they did go after, they went they really went after yeah. uh, to the point where they basically I think threw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, that's. And I realized. What, go ahead. Uh, I was just saying that's what we were talking about last time. That it feels like this is just more of a scorched earth policy for the free to play market. Yeah, I mean, you have to realize I'm generally in favor of restrictions uh, for both loot boxes and pay-to-win and some other things when it comes to children. Uh, um, I went into a lot of detail about what those things were last week when I was talking at Nordic Games in Sweden, uh, giving a talk on how to make healthy games, especially for children. Uh, but uh, this just this just aims at a couple things that, that are, I guess, distasteful uh, to the people who wrote the bill, um, but they don't necessarily explain 
um, what it is they're trying to get rid of or what it is they're trying to achieve mm-hmm. uh, with this legislation. They're just kind of like they found a couple things they didn't like and they just want to just ban them, basically. Um, it'd be nice if there was a little bit more of a nuance there that worked for everybody. This 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 bill doesn't even seem like it helps the consumer, really. Because it just basically just takes the... the it takes away some of the things that are, that consumers like the most, like free to play, and replaces them with older things that they didn't like as much as, which is why they don't they aren't around as much as much anymore. Like mm-hmm. the all you can use subscription model, or the retail model. Yeah. Um, that seems like what they're they're just basically trying to roll, not understanding the nuances of free to play and our current business models and our current uh, uh, ways that we make games. It just seems like the people that made this want to roll back our industry 10 or 20 years while they study the problem. And they actually have a section in there where they're supposed to be gathering metrics for two years at the very end of this, this, uh, this bill and then discussing what the effects of all these things are, uh, which I, I, I'm I'm all for research because that's one thing that people are like, well, you don't have any evidence. Well, it's because mm-hmm. we haven't done any research. Yep. Well, so yeah, I'm thinking the research is is great, but this basically is like let's just stop all this stuff and then study the stuff we just stopped, which hmm. I don't even know how they would do that unless yeah. they're just studying it with adults, but because they've already removed the children from the equation completely, mm-hmm. um, and then turn around and say, okay, well, now in two years we'll revisit this. And make the bill we should have made now, since, but, but we don't know how to do that bill yet. But in that uh, two-year span, the meantime, again, so many companies are basically going to go out of business, essentially. Right. Well, what's going to be left in two yeah. years? I. That's the thing. Like under this law, what would be like? Uh, I guess like for you and for the folks watching, like, can you think of any free-to-play game right now that would survive? Like even like I, World Warcraft has like cosmetic and uh, microtransactions. No, in no it. I made my reputation, mm-hmm. and I've spent years building these new models to make consumer-friendly free-to-play games. And none of my models—I can't think of a single one—would survive this bill. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know where to go with it because the, it, basically anything that I get, my hands are so tied because these 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 restrictions are so broad. Uh, if I if I if I can't give the player any sort of advantage for giving me money, why are they going to give me money? I mean, it's just basic. Yeah, and right, they won't, they won't, and I'll go out of business. And I'm glad that you just said that, Romy, because that actually takes me to the question I want to ask you. And like for my audience right now, for the people watching us, whether it's live or recorded, I know that I have a pretty good cross section of people who are either in the game industry or more on the enthusiast or hardcore gamer side. And for the hardcore gamers watching us right now, I'm sure a few of them right now are doing like mental um, uh, cartwheels and celebrating over the idea that loot boxes would be killed and you know the free-to-play market is going to go away and all that stuff. But like as what we're saying here, with regards of free-to-play design and monetization, that there is a way of doing it properly. So the question that I have for you is, like, for the people right now who are jumping for joy at the thought of removing, killing all loot boxes, loot boxes are the devil, blah, 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 like, 
How would you counter that discussion when it comes to game design, or can you? Well, I wouldn't want to counter that part. The the loot box discussion in this bill seems fine with me. I don't have an issue with any of the the loot box removal. I think that's great. And and in fact, when this mm-hmm. when this posted on Kama Sutra, I wrote a after a little bit of thought, I put a fairly, wrote a fairly long description uh, when I was asked how would you have written this bill if you mm-hmm. were asked, and I wrote I I I. I I followed the same advice I learned when I worked at Betty Ford Center for three years, working with drug addiction um, and drug rehab. And uh, there, when we had somebody who came in with a hardcore drug addiction, like heroin or something like that, and uh, and they also had a cigarette addiction, uh, we didn't try to force them to quit both at the same time. That was just dropping their chance of success close to zero. We'd let them continue to smoke while we dealt with the more pressing drug addiction mm-hmm. that could take their life in the short run. Uh, so, uh, and then once they were comfortable with that, if they wanted to go after the cigarettes and remove those, great. I think it's the same thing kind of thing here. If we, if we just took away the loot boxes and then, and then a year later figured out what we were going to do with these threat generating systems. And, I'm, and here I, I would like to go beyond just, pay to win uh with a more nuanced response but uh but give that would just the fact that you regulate out loot boxes is would get the attention of the industry they would they would they would be there and ready to negotiate uh whereas before like in 2013 when we had the international consumer protection and enforcement network summit uh the few industry people that were there were basically just saying we want you to let us self-regulate we don't even want you guys to, to touch this. And and, yeah. and and Apple and Google were invited and didn't even show up. Uh, so they were just hoping to just completely ignore the regulators. Yeah. Well, they wouldn't be able to ignore the regulators if this passed. No. So at least you'd be forcing our side of the table. And and, and we're, we're really guilty here because the whole reason this bill is showing up on our doorstep is because we just gave the finger to regulators for since 2013 that's six years uh and so of course and i've been writing about this for for six years about the longer we refuse to work with regulators Mm -hmm. the ultimate end game is they're going to do this without us and then we get this yep which is a disaster for us Mm -hmm. which is exactly what i've been predicting like in my force wars paper uh just saying this was coming Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of years ago, I said that this, this is now like a, a foregone conclusion. This is going to happen because we are forcing it to happen. And so this is what we have. Yeah. So we need to dialogue with legislators. We can come up with a better will, uh, bill if industry cooperatively works with regulators, with legislators, and acknowledges that we've done a disservice to our consumers, and which is mm-hmm. why our industry is not doing that great. Because we're not giving them, making the products that consumers want. We're making the products that we want and trying to force it on consumers. That's why there was that huge backlash with uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2. That huge Reddit thread. You had almost a million people in a few days saying, this is not the product we want. Uh, That was huge. That was massive. Um, So, yeah, we need to to make games that are more consumer friendly. Uh, But we also need 
to be able to at least have the space to make those kind of games. Uh, we can't if if we can't sell any sort of advantage in free to play, we can't sell free to play. Yep. And yeah, like as you were saying, like again, like I've been writing about this as well on Gamma Sutra, and I'm, I'm sure you're well aware of like we've gotten a lot of like feedback from uh, free to play developers and mobile developers, you know, saying that you know we're crazy or you know it's not that bad or all those other things, and. Again, like, for people watching us right now, like, we've been seeing, like, there's been so many conventions and conferences and talks about, you know, the best ways to get money from people, the best uh, monetization tactics. I'm sure everyone knows, of course, the whole term of the whale. You know, there's been presentations all over the world about how to get whales to spend money on your game. And, again, like, as what Ramin is saying, as what we've been talking about, like... This is not healthy when it comes to the consumer side, and it doesn't help game design. It doesn't help the gameplay of your title to make it restrictive. And this is, I think, where that very tricky balance comes in. Again, it's something that you've studied and you've been working on as well. You know, that happy medium between I want my consumer base to be happy and healthy and play my game, but I also need money coming in so I can keep this game afloat. You know, if I just make this game and nobody spends money, how am I staying in business? Yeah, well, that's, that's the that's the nut I've been trying to crack for 20 yep. years since I was working on Chatter Galaxy. And and uh, they tried to drop the microtransactions in it in 2001. Mm-hmm. So actually not quite 20 years, but I'd say... 18 years I've been trying to solve this 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 riddle how do you charge for something you've already given your players for free yeah. uh, you have to offer them something that that adds additional value for them or they're not going to give you money yep uh, so what do you just gate a bunch of content this basically is saying well you just gate most of your content behind a paywall mm-hmm. and then charge them across the paywall but that's pretty limited. <laughs> yeah, there's not much you can really do after that. Because the whole point or kind of like the whole lifeblood of the free-to-play market is that you want to be earning, you know, consistently some money coming in. Like if everyone just spends, let's say, a $10 booster and that's it, okay, that's great one month. What are you going to do five months down the line or 10 months or a year? Yeah, well, like games as a service requires mm-hmm. that you are continually adding new content and uh and 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 the the best game i i know of that that i as far as adding a a new content uh which is what i talked about in saint petersburg at the Mm -hmm. the uh first war gaming gaming conference that i spoke there at uh was tinder Mm -hmm. that raised a bunch of eyebrows because people were like oh that's not a game that's a dating app but i said well it's got all these game elements it's basically a game and it's a game where the reward is potentially a date or even sex so it has a, some pretty high there's some pretty high value things flying out of those loot boxes <laughs> uh and, and and all the pictures all the descriptions of all the people on there it's all user-generated content uh, so uh, anticipating this i'm trying to bring dating apps and games closer together because i see the two as being uh essentially unavoidably what we're going to be in the future uh we're going to be providing a social environment that's what we're going to sell is social interaction Mm -hmm. and uh and 
it's possible we can do that without being paid win because we can't we can't really sell something if we had you know in a in a in a social environment which will force someone else to say yes to you. So we really can't they can't be paid win. It's just we can just give you we can help you peacock. We can help you uh, you know appear more interesting to other people. Uh, and I think that's kind of where we're going to be heading, especially with this type of legislation. It's going to accelerate that merger between dating apps and gaming apps. But again, we're blocking out the children here because uh, I don't think we want children running around our dating apps. <laughs> now, uh, speaking about games as a service, this is another thing that's kind of come into question over the last few weeks. I know... We've been seeing some posts about this on Polygon, major sites, and discussing kind of the, you know, whether or not games as a service is a valid, or I'm sorry, not valid, but a healthy way of designing a game. And the big examples of this would be stuff like what we see the Battle Royale genre with Fortnite, Apex Legends, and so on, that are just going for, you know, they're putting out almost like weekly content for a game, and that is an insane schedule to keep up. Yeah. So... I guess, but I mean, but basically, it is the the you need user generated content. Mm-hmm. You need the users to be providing content yeah. for you because you can't afford to build all that content. Uh, even in a game like World of Tanks, where you're dropping into a battle with 29 other players, that's the user generated content. That mm-hmm. ma- that's what makes it unpredictable because you don't know what those other 29 players are going to do. If you did, I mean, I'm sure in some games, especially like I've played some some Asian games where everything was you had to do everything by the book, and it gets boring because you know exactly what everybody's going to do at some point. But as long as you don't know what everyone's going to do, that's what makes it interesting, and that itself is user generated content. All those inputs of other players yep. you can't predict. That's generated by the users, not by you. That mm-hmm. that's what keeps it fresh, and that's increasingly where we need to be heading as far as games as a service we just need to do it without the pay to win elements because as soon as you do that you're you just drop this huge toxicity bomb right in the middle of everything mm-hmm. uh, now uh, I think this could be an interesting point to clarify a board fan in chat is discussing about that users can't make content they just don't understand how to make good content if we were to go down that road we w- we'd have to be teaching players how to make good user content but I know from what we're talking about, we're not talking about user content in the same vein as something like Mario Maker or a level editor. We're talking about more or less the user itself is providing the differing experiences for each play. The user is the content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's not. Yeah, that's the uh, distinction there, uh, board fan. That it's not like something like Mario Maker or um, what was it, Little Big Planet. It's more or less having those users there. We're basically playing against each other. We're the ones kind of keeping things different. It's kind of like um, like the uh, antithesis would be a game where you're only playing against the AI. Because when you're playing against AI, it is a set of values. Like You know exactly what the AI is going to do. You know what you're going to do. And then it's just a matter of what the numbers or the abstraction is. And then that gets very boring and repetitive. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a question. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, no, I was just uh, trying to clarify that point. And like uh, what Mike is saying, PvP is a very big example of user-generated content. 
Yes, and, exactly. Let me see, PvP alone. And uh, for a board fan's point, PvP alone can't be the user-generated content. So I guess this is a good question for you, Ramin. Like, besides player versus player, what are some other examples of user-generated content for people watching? Um, well, again, I would go back to Tinder. Just the the pictures that people are adding. Uh, this is a lot of what powers Facebook, and Facebook is very popular. Uh, people are constantly adding pictures of their lives. Uh, they're sharing their lives. They're user-generated content to make that environment attractive to other people. All the all of our social media, Instagram, etc. It's all people sh- sharing their stuff with other people, and that's what powers it. If we could create an environment where we could gamify all that. Uh, which is what I'm increasingly trying to do, especially in Destiny Sword. Uh, then, uh, then that that social interaction is is going to be what brings people together and keeps them together, and hopefully keeps them spending together. Uh, uh, but it, not in a way that's going to be pay to win. In fact, that would be disastrous for building the type of social communities that I'm trying to build in Destiny Sword. Mm-hmm. I want people to be working cooperatively together towards a common goal. So if anything, when they spend money, uh, I'm not giving them the goods. I'm giving their team the goods, mm-hmm. uh, which makes everybody happy with that player. Yeah. Now, talking about providing content for players with microtransaction and monetization, this is, again, one of those very sticky points for a lot of people. Like again, for some of the older folks watching this, we all remember kind of the uh, record-scratching moment when uh, horse armor first appeared, and I think that was Oblivion or Skyrim. And there's certainly been you know issues about just how much should this kind of content cost? Because I know uh, when we last spoke and in previous casts, we've talked about how many free-to-play games will charge you know wildly am- a high amounts of money for you know, stuff that doesn't even seem like it's worth it. Like, I can't imagine, like, any free-to-play game trying to charge, you know, a $100 purchase, you know, getting $100 of value out of that. And I guess, like, is there, like, I'm trying to think how I want to phrase this. Like, is it possible to come up with, like, a standardized or, you know, a standard pricing list for content in a free-to-play game? Well, you don't want a standard pricing list in a free-to-play game. You want to use discriminatory pricing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want the people who have more money or more motivation to spend mm-hmm. to spend more than others. Uh, this is what this is probably one of the key, if not the key, mm-hmm. aspect of free-to-play that makes it superior on our end mm-hmm. to a subscription model because mm-hmm. we could get potentially an infinite amount of money from somebody who is super motivated. Uh, whereas if everybody's if everybody's if we charge fifteen dollars a month, you're going to get some people who can't afford fifteen dollars a month, mm-hmm. and you're going to get a lot of like in what we what we saw in World of Warcraft, you're going to get people who want to or are quite willing to spend hundreds of dollars a month. And since uh, initially at least, uh, Blizzard was unable to tap that additional desire to spend. Mm-hmm. Third parties came in and did that, and those third part those third parties didn't care about the world and added a lot of toxicity to the world and basically just wrecked the whole place <laughs> in an effort to collect all the money that yeah. Blizzard should have been collecting because Blizzard didn't know how to collect that money. Um, again, that was all my early research was on how to 
was basically on how to make a better World of Warcraft, how to how to solve all these problems that the, that Blizzard had. The whole uh, gold farming scenario is what Rami is talking about for people watching us right now. Yeah, back in from 2005 to 2010, my 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 entire focus was just on how how to allow a game a company like Blizzard to uh, to extract much more money from a gaming world uh, without adding toxicity to the world. In fact, lowering the toxicity by removing third parties that were taking that uh, taking advantage of the untapped need. Uh, I never. I've met with Blizzard four times since then. I've, we still haven't come to an agreement that would allow me to help them, mm-hmm. uh, which is unfortunate because that's a big part of my life's work. Um, and we're not we're not really making MMOs anymore because we didn't we couldn't solve this problem yeah. without this solution. We, we no one wants to invest in these types of worlds. Yeah. And that's kind of like again when we discuss about this stuff. This I think is where that disconnect comes in between the developer or development side and the consumer. Because I am sure right now that a few people watching us, whether it's live or recorded, as you were describing there, I mean, about the ways to get uh, consumers to spend money, you know, they're probably their blood pressure is going up. Like, they can feel like a little vein in their head <laughs> going, getting bigger and bigger. Because for a lot of people, they view, they view free-to-play games as a service, any kind of microtransactions as, you know, being the worst thing, being evil. And if people don't mind spending more money on something that's a good product, mm-hmm. the problem is is when we is when we use these uh, like fun pain methods, yep. where we we try to inconvenience or or inflict discomfort on our consumers to force them to then spend. Uh, we're creating, we're intentionally creating a, a, an adverse environment for our consumers because we f- feel like we have to be mean to our players in, in order to get them to spend. It's 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 punitive by design. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know where we got this idea. Uh, maybe you know, back somewhere we had some developers where their parents were mean to them, and they just thought <laughs> this is the way we treat our children and our consumers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this thing's got perpetuated into our gaming worlds, and they don't. This type of attitude doesn't belong there. People come into our gaming worlds to get away from that type of situation. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we need to do a little reboot and 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 start treating our consumers as our friends, and say, what would we want to? What would what? What type of environment would we want to, to build that would get people to come voluntarily and want to hang out with us? And if they're enjoying themselves, they'll start bringing their own beer or bringing whatever else they want to the party, and they'll start being very generous if you're creating an environment that they're enjoying spending time in. Mm-hmm. And I know for one of our previous ch- uh, casts, you talked about kind of like the amount of time someone you're trying to get them to commit to or to play and then they'll be more likely to spend money. Like, like again, like as you said, like with the whole fun pain and that kind of issue, that if somebody's getting annoyed by your game the first 15 to 20 minutes of play, they're not going to stick around. You know, why would you stick around to, you know, get a free punch in the face? Like how many people right. want to get a punch right. in the face and then say, okay, here's $20. Thank you for punching me in the face. Right. Well, as I talked about in my uh, The Whales Don't Swim in the Desert paper, mm-hmm. uh, your, your, your average whale spend, uh, takes 21 days before their first spend. Mm-hmm. If you scare your, your, your whales off before day 21, which all these mechanisms pretty much do, then you're not even going to know who were the whales because they left before they started spending. 
So you, you, what you what you think are your whales running around are actually like your dolphins, and you think those are your whales, but no, your whales already left. You 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 got them to leave because you weren't giving them, you weren't signaling to them long term value that they wanted to in, invest in. So you'll never know who, how, how many whales you had or just how much money they could have spent on your game because you you encouraged them to exit. Yeah. And with a lot of these free-to-play games, like we've, I know both of us, we've seen these uh, posts on Gamma Sutra news sites where they say, this game had record-breaking month, you know, 1.2 million users. You know, come play our game now. But as we know... You know, how are those companies or how are those games doing the month after? <laughs> like, again, like, you can wow. say you had a really amazing month. That doesn't mean anything three months down the line when, you know, 75% of the people quit because they got tired of the monetization. Well, having 1.2 million users is actually catastrophically bad news if you had to pay to, to get those people to, to install yep. your game. If, if you're, what you're talking about there is bragging about how much you spent <laughs> on user acquisition, but then quietly ignoring the fact that those people don't stay in your game and don't spend in your game then you're just talking about how much you just went in the hole mm. by blowing your your marketing and user acquisition budget up front and then people not sticking around and and not getting the other friends to play and not spending it, it really the numbers that that matter aren't those first month numbers anyways they're at least day 90 or later where you can see how many of those people actually stuck around yep and that's when they're going to start spending yep Okay, and here's a question. Uh, Board fan and dragon both in chat are asking, where did the term dolphin come from? Like they've heard of obviously the whales, but uh, what does dolphin mean when it comes to free to play design? Well, I mean, we were we were talking about uh, initially. We just had to have just a silly name for people who spend less than the big <laughs> spenders. So like the the little people who spend five or ten bucks are the minnows, and then people who spend up to around $50 are our dolphins. And then people who are spending in the triple digits are our whales. And it's, 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 it's not rocket science. We just kind of <laughs> made up with these, these, uh, these brackets, but anybody who spends over 50 bucks on a, on a, especially on a mobile game is considered a whale. <laughs> um, uh, but, but in the old days, like when I got started, I, I wrote, I co-wrote the first paper on virtual good cells uh, that appeared in the Los Angeles Times in April of 2000. Uh, and uh, and back then, people didn't really have a, a hard time going on eBay and spending two or three thousand dollars on a cloak or something in EverQuest, uh, because they've been playing this game for a year and this was their life. This was their so total social environment and, and peacocking was, was a big deal. Uh, people don't buy Ferraris and drive down the street with them because the car can go 180 miles per hour. They, they spend, a, they spend $200,000 on that car because it can go 10 miles an hour mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> with everyone staring at you. Yeah. That's peacocking power. Oh, Who cares yeah. about the horsepower? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, that basically describes a lot of the cosmetic items in pick any video game over the last, like, 20 years. You know, do you want to look like everybody else? Or do you want that flaming aura over your character, you know, while there's a flock of pigeons, you know, always behind you as you're walking around? Right. Well, but the thing is, you can't, you can't charge people for peacocking items unless you've got an environment where they can peacock in. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. So you have to create a social environment where people can show off. It's very critical. Once you do that, then you can charge even for cosmetic items. Mm-hmm. One second, I'm just making a quick uh, post here about. But yeah, and oh, here's a fun one. Um, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure Mike uh, sometimes says things sarcastically, but I think this is a legitimate question. But is there an actual term for people who don't spend any money in a free-to-play game? <laughs> I'm thinking of a quick uh, snide comment to, to, as an answer, but uh, but I mean, for most of our games, that's 98% of the people. Yep. So that's that's just that's your normal gets when you're a normal gamer. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I mean, I, 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 I mean I, you know, in my games, I've had conversion rates. 30 plus percent what do i <laughs> but that's because i'm not trying to go after just the people who have like you know compulsion issues or you know or, or easily addicted to something that i can kind of trick or, or pressure into spending i'm just going after every your everyday casual player with value that they'll want to get on board with and so i get really massively high conversion rates with my business models which mm-hmm. other companies just don't see yeah and like we've said like so many companies have banked themselves on these more unethical practices when it comes to free play design the uh having fun paying very extreme loot boxes and so on that it's kind of led to this issue with this loot box bill but it's going to take a lot of work, I think, or I'm sure it's going to take a lot of work to try and convince or wean developers off of this. Because, like, well, as we up, oh, go ahead. Well, I mean, as I described in my Force Wars paper, it isn't just that you know one day that in the boardroom they just said, "Oh, let's let's just start doing loot boxes." Mm-hmm. It, it, in order to do loot boxes and everything that goes along with loot boxes, you have to build the infrastructure for that, and that means you have to hire the kind of people who are okay with this kind of stuff uh, which to me are really not the kind of people you would yeah. want in your company but once they're there they're very hard to get rid of so because uh, those are those people tend to be survivors and they'll do their best to make sure you fire everyone else before they you fire them so uh so once you've you've gone down that what i described as the dark side in my force wars paper uh you're basically committed and it's going to take you have to basically clean house in order to go light side and and uh, this bill uh uh, biggest problem with the bill is it takes out the light side and the dark side and there's nothing at least nothing left but if if it could with a little bit of refinement it could take out the dark side but still that would require all these companies that have invested in the infrastructure of dark side game development uh to eat that entire investment and start over and that's a huge loss for them i mean it's Mm -hmm. it's it's really not that easy to even just hire people and then you get into all the problems that we discussed in our diversity uh podcast here where uh they don't even know how to hire people Mm -hmm. now i was just about to ask you a question with regards to the free play uh, uh free play microtransactions and the purchasing that we've talked about one thing i wanted to ask you with regards to like the ex like the heavy purchases again like having microtransactions at being like 50 100 dollars or more do would they fall under the light side or dark side or 
is it depending on what they're actually um, offering you for that price? Well, I mean, I'm playing a mobile game right now where uh, the biggest spenders, there's a, there's a VIP system. And the, the higher ranks show the very high via, uh, spenders have the higher VIP ranks. So it makes it easy for me to track who the big spenders are. And I can keep an eye on their behavior, which is useful for me because I'm basically doing research whenever I'm playing these types of games. And uh, the vast majority of these players are looking to peacock. They want attention. They want people to think they're cool. <laughs> uh, but because of the toxicity they're generating by buying things that harms everyone else, uh, they they're not generating the type of coolness they think they're they're generating, and then they get very mad at people when people don't like them, uh, and then they feel a little bit bitter because they spent all this money and they didn't get mm-hmm. the the public uh, you know praise that they were hoping they would get for spending. The people are actually mad that they spent. Yeah, especially <laughs> in like any like competitive based game, if you buy the best gun or the best gear. People are just going to assume that you suck. Like, you know, why should we treat you with any kind of, you know, happiness? You're just that loser who couldn't play well, the game, so you had to buy the best gun. And- it's, it's worse than that because we actually they used that gun on you. They bought that game and then shot yep. you with it. So that's not going to make you make any friends. <laughs> so uh, That's why with Destiny Sword, when you spend uh, money in that game, it goes to your team, not you. And that way your whole team likes you more and you get the kind of peacocking you're looking for mm-hmm. at, a, at, a, at a modest price. So I'm, I'm hoping I'm presenting a, a high degree of value to the consumer, giving them exactly what they want without the icky aftertaste. Mm-hmm. Um, U308 uh, just joined and I think this could be a, I think we may have touched on this beforehand, but I think this could also be another really interesting point. Isn't there a growing momentum from gamers to avoid slash shame rebel against games with microtransactions? Isn't a matter of time before it's a thing of the past? Like I don't think so, and I'm I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, do you think microtransactions will go away at all, or do you think that they're still a very important point when it comes to free to play design? In, in my Forcefulness paper, I described the consumer backlash where the consumers were actually. Uh, rallying together to, to create like a counterinsurgency effort against these companies. I describe them as the resistance. And, uh, and that's exactly what you see. You're seeing a consumer resistance against these dark side developers uh, because it's the only thing that consumers can do is to, is to, is to form an aggregate, form a, like a, a, a a, a, a colony and then and then and then take action collectively uh, against these companies they don't like and and they can do it on reddit or wherever they're going to do it and uh, and this is actually quite effective uh, because really ultimately it should be all about the consumer yep so if the consumers get upset <laughs> enough to act collectively then uh, you either have to accommodate them or go out of business and that's what we saw with the Battlefront 2 fiasco, when everybody just went up in arms regarding EA, and I think it's DICE that makes I always forget which one makes Battlefront, <laughs> Battlefront series. But Yeah, I mean, D- Disney had to call them and say, yeah. just turn the whole thing off. And they did, because, you know, you know who, who EA answers to. <laughs> yeah. When Mickey Mouse comes a-knocking, you have to listen to him right there. <laughs> Big time. But they, didn't, but they don't have a solution. That's the problem. 
Yeah. And, and, and the people, if you have a dark side infrastructure, you're not going to produce a light side solution out of those people. That's not what they're that's not their skill sets. These people are, are paid a lot of money for a reason. They're good at what they do, yeah. but that's not what they do. Mm-hmm. They don't make light side or consumer friendly things. Yeah. That's just not what their expertise is. No, and again, like I know we had this discussion a few times before, but this is what led to kind of like this growth in the mobile market. The fact that people see stuff like the monetization tax in Farmville or a Candy Crush, or whatever those, any other big name game, and thought, oh, this is an amazing thing, we need this in our game, so who do we hire? You see all these things about former people in the gambling industry joining these major companies as advisors, or as in a design role, yes. and what happens? <laughs> Yeah, you got emerging of those industries because you have such a huge influx of people from those industries moving to the next hot thing, which is game development. Mm-hmm. So really, uh, you know, traditional casinos are kind of passe. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the best people have moved into the into interactive media, and that's where they're applying their trade. Mm-hmm. And these people are in high demand because that was seen as what's next for us. Yeah, and I gotta ask you this, Ron. I mean, I know I'm pretty sure I asked you this a few months ago, but. I remember this was like 2016, 2017. There were discussions about having uh, video game gambling machines. This was something that was going to take place in New Jersey. And there was like, like a big article about there was going to do like a big test run in Atlantic City. This was like in 2016, 2017. And then I heard nothing from it. Like it just completely disappeared. Have you well, heard only, anything on your end about that? The only place I know of the tracks. Uh, gambling behavior uh and not only for adults but for children mm-hmm. is the uk and so I, I read their annual reports very carefully and you can see if you're looking at the numbers that the numbers for the adults the uh, are staying pretty much static flat they're the same from year to year because they've reached mm-hmm. their plateau their homeostasis but for children we now in the uk we now have more problematic child gamblers than adult gamblers and the trajectory is way up Mm -hmm. meaning that the problem could like double every year for a while before it hits a very high plateau because children are more vulnerable to gambling mechanics because they don't have this this forethought they don't have a concept of the value of money they don't have this concept that this could be interfering with other things that they should be doing that they probably don't want to do yeah and so it's a good i was just going to say like i just wonder like for myself like again I grew up playing games in the 80s and 90s. This was long before anyone even heard the term loot box. I just, like, wonder what the hell would have happened to me, like, if I was playing games. You know, if I was, like, eight or nine years old, and this was the common element in a lot of these games. Well, if as I talked about in my uh, How to Make Healthier Games uh, uh, talk in Sweden last week at Nordic Games, uh, when you are constantly tapping the dopamine systems of your consumers you're stimulating the sympathetic nervous system and suppressing the parasympathetic nervous system and over time you would expect this to increase uh stress depression anxiety uh possibly even suicide rates well this is exactly what we're seeing we currently see depression anxiety and suicide rates in our uh, eight times what they were during the Great Depression. 
So whatever we're doing, it's working, but it's working in a way that's literally <laughs> killing us. And it's, and it's going to have the most effect on children because they're going to be the most vulnerable uh, to these types of things. And, and actually uh, overstimulating the sympathetic nervous system in children could cause permanent adaptations uh, that will affect them for their whole lives. And, and you see this with gambling, whereas once a person becomes a problematic gambler, it's a real problem. They could be that way for the rest of their yeah. lives. Well, it could be 10 times worse with children because we're getting them very early in their development and we're developing these neural and endocrine pathways uh, so that they're adapted to that behavior. And then when you take it away, it's going to be very difficult for them. They're going to keep seeking it. Yeah. And like we've said, with a lot of these mobile games, and again, like a big part of the loot box spell is the whole idea of targeting miners with these minor transactions. Because as you said, like for a lot of kids, like they don't understand, you know, why these loot boxes are designed this way. They just see, I spend money, I may get something good. But it does, it can affect people like this over the long term. And again, like, Back in the old days, when it came to gambling, you know, you weren't going to be able to gamble until you were at least, I think, like, 18 or 21, depending upon the state. But these mobile games, you can start, what, as young as 6, 7? Maybe, like, 8 or 9? I'm not... Again, I am very detached from the youth of these days. But, I mean, you can get people very young with a mobile game. Oh, absolutely. Especially if you're targeting them with yeah. Comic Sans uh, um, graphic style. Uh, these companies will keep telling me over and over and no, we're not targeting children. And that's probably what the tobacco companies were saying with uh, Joe Camel. Mm -hmm. But we know better. Yeah. There was that whole thing with the uh, Harry Potter free-to-play game that once again got brought back up in the news about having a scene where a child's being strangled and you have to either give them energy or pay money to save the child. Well, you have the same type of mechanic. I, I first described the mechanic in uh, Frontierville from mm -hmm. Zynga, and I presented that at the 2013 ICPEN regulatory summit. But since then, I've seen games like Choices and stuff like that, which are primarily aimed at young young women or, mm -hmm. or girls. Uh, they use the same mechanics, where they try to get you attached to, uh, you know, a heteronormative. Uh, other gendered, you know, what I mean is like, they, you know, you might, you might, they're trying to get you attached to somebody else in the story, probably somebody of the opposite gender. And, uh, and then they will just threaten to kill that person off unless you fork up the, the bucks. And this is very stressful yeah. for the, the person. And, and, uh, and for, a, for, a, for a child, this could be so stressful that they'll run to the piggy bank and, you know, oh. at least in theory, you know, grab mom's card, maybe without her even knowing and, and fork over the money to save her friend oh yeah and again like and like again like, that's that big distinction like for us and we see like tv shows or adverts or whatever you know saying so and so will die or this is you know a monumental event we're like yeah okay it, it's another marketing stunt you know what else you got but when you talk about fans especially kids you know they're like oh my god they're gonna kill off so and so you know i gotta do something and, <laughs> like well, you said, like, I, mean, I mean, when the fans get really involved in something, like, look how 
crazy people get with Game of Thrones, or oh, yes. or like uh, or like Team Edward when what was the oh, uh, the uh, the uh, the vampire the series, Twilight, uh, <laughs> the right Twilight there. series. You know, you know, all the people, you know, taking sides of which which hunk the you know oh. they were they were on the side of you know. <laughs> mm. And again, like. And it, I think we're straying a little bit from the core topic, yeah. though now, which is really what are we going to do about this legislation? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I actually have something I want to ask you because I brought this up on Gamma Sutra, and I I'm pretty sure most people didn't see it because it didn't get a uh, front page mention. But I thought of some ideas for myself, like what I would like to see from loot boxes. So I guess I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to put me on the spot here because I want to throw at you some of the ideas that I was thinking of. I okay. want to see what you think about it, again, with your experience. Sure. So the first thing that I said is that I've never been a fan of premium currency in games. I, I always see it as something that is more or less anti-consumer by the fact that it obscures the price and the value for a lot of the microtransactions. And like the first thing that I would do that would make me happy would be just having one currency in a game. So I guess like what do you think about so I know your games have featured premium currency or have you know yes. had that kind of system in it. Well I, I talk about why we have premium currency in my systems of control and free to play mm -hmm. paper, which is a very Machiavellian paper. Uh, uh, I almost felt bad writing it. Uh, but uh, but it describes there why we have premium currency and uh, and I use premium currency because it works because it, it, it the more layers of disconnect between yes. the, the your consumer and the actual thing they're ha trying to make a decision about the the more likely they're not going to realize what they're doing um, and you want that when it comes to to spending because you know for a consumer spending is seen as a negative for them. So if you can get them to spend without them seeing it as a negative because they didn't even really think about it, then it's a lot easier to get them to do it. Mm -hmm. yep, just so hit the screen. Just hit the screen button. No, don't don't hit the red button. Hit the green button. You'll yep. be fine. Yep. You don't need to worry about how much money you're spending. You're spending stars or diamonds or whatever. You know that's right. not real money. You're just spending this. Yeah. So yeah. So I guess like for me, like I would get real premium currency or restricted at some point well shoot you want us to really be honest with our <laughs> consumers <laughs> oh no i'm gonna piss you're getting, oh, hard, no. you're getting hard on me here man <laughs> ron means never going to come back on for another cast after this part <laughs> i'm gonna don't, shock don't take you. away all our tricks come on <laughs> i'm gonna shock ron means so much he's gonna fall out of it. <laughs> His hammock in a second. <laughs> it's a very comfortable hammock, except the sun's shining. I mean, <laughs> uh, but I guess uh, moving on, like the next point that I would put into them is that any content from a loot box should be available through in-game play as well. You know, whether it's by like the uh, Team Fortress model that. Every so-and-so amount of minutes, you can earn a free loot box, or you can no, earn a free I, gear. I think we should just get rid of the loot boxes, man. Yeah. If, 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 it's, if it's part of the reward system, mm -hmm. it should be merit-based. If yeah. they, they should get a reward for having done something cool. That's how you get the most dopamine, is yeah. from doing something where there's a chance of failure, and, and the reward is unpredictable. It's not even sure whether you're going to get the reward because you may fail. 
This is where you can get the most dopamine from yeah. something. Not because you spent some money, because that removes the uncertainty. So you actually, uh, you actually don't get the high you anticipated after you spent. You're like, oh shoot, I, that really wasn't as exciting as I thought it was going to be when I spent all that money. Mm-hmm. And then they're much less likely to do it again. Yeah. So uh, your reward systems are in your game for a reason. They're they're there to encourage you know to put the cheese down to get your mice to run in a certain mm-hmm. direction to encourage the behaviors you want in your game world. Uh, you don't want to foul that by making it too predictable or too easy. Uh-huh. So I think I've realized then that <laughs> this may backfire on me. I may be the too lax one <laughs> with my proposal then. <laughs> but like I was still thinking about having loot boxes still be in there, but being severely gutted. But from where you're coming from, you're definitely more lines of just remove the mechanic completely. I, I, I don't know. Not only do I think it's an unhealthy mechanic, but I just think it's a bad design. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. the people who are making these Skinner's boxes aren't neuroscientists, and they don't really understand the neuroscience involved well enough to really even make very good Skinner's boxes. So part of my concern isn't... Uh, m- my bigger concern isn't that it's unethical. My bigger concern is just it's poor, it's poor design. Mm-hmm. And you, you want to make somebody... You want somebody... If you want to mess with somebody's brain, you get a neuroscientist. You don't get... Mm-hmm. I don't know what these, where these people are they're dragging up who are <laughs> making this stuff. Oh, that takes me to then this question then, because this was posed to me on one of the Gamma Sutra pieces, and it still like boggles my mind that people are thinking about this. But there are people who equate um, loot pinatas or the thrill of getting loot in ARPGs to the same thing as a loot box system, and like that it's just merit-based. yeah, it just breaks my mind when I think about that. <laughs> But see, they had to work for that, and they had yeah. to risk getting crushed by the demon in order to, to, to get this stuff. I mean, I've been on those crazy hard difficulty levels in oh, yes. various Diablo games, and you can get your ass handed to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's so you feel good when you manage to actually pull it off. That's not the same as pulling out a wallet and having a, a, an assured win. That just takes all the thrill out of it. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> I, I, so many people, so many people I've seen. And I and I study these people in these games. I log in and I watch. I just sit there and I watch. And people don't realize that I'm studying them unless I tell them. Uh, but uh, and sometimes I do. Uh, but uh, you know, so many times I'll see people spend like several times in the last couple of games I've played. The first biggest spender in each of these game worlds I was on. In each mm-hmm. case, they quit within a week after spending all this money and just blowing everyone away mm-hmm. we were like wow this guy just totally bought the server and then the week later they were gone and we were just you know we were just mm-hmm. waiting for the day where we were strong enough to pillage their assets mm-hmm. uh and then they were like and then and then we'd have to tell legends of of, of other gamers <laughs> to be like who is this guy you know that's just been sitting here doing nothing for a month so like, oh that guy used to be a big deal but he just quit you know we so we talk these tall tales about the mm-hmm. these <laughs> these people that were a big deal at one point but they 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 get so discouraged after spending this amount because they They've just mm-hmm. they've just pooched their own reward system. Now now they're not getting any dopamine and they're not getting any thrill and 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 uh, they they've actually hurt their own enjoyment of the game by spending. That's exactly what you don't want to do. You want the mm-hmm. you want the spending to make the person feel better about your game so that they'll spend more. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get, get them to uh, self eliminate after they spend. Yep, and as you said, with it being merit based, like that is the 
whole foundation for the ARPG system or the ARPG progression, that you are fighting to get a reward, which in turn makes you able to fight better. You see that improvement, what you've done with the rewards, so you're able to do more of it. And again, like I've said this many times over on these casts, but fight monsters, get loot, grow more powerful. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much every ARPG's yeah. progression model. My batteries are running low here. Uh-oh. You're about to lose me. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, and I can still keep talking for like a few more hours. <laughs> you could. <laughs> All right, but yeah, I guess with that, again, like Ramin, I if you're when you're free again, I can we can continue this discussion. I do want to talk I, more about I, the gaming disorders. I'd really like to talk about what we're going to do about the bill, and I don't really feel like we got we yeah. got to that. Okay, so that will be let's. Uh, make that our final topic then and for people watching we won't unfortunately have time for a Q&A or I think Ramin will run out of juice so uh, moving to our final section for our cast then so what do you think is the future then like what do you think needs to happen going forward we we need to uh, we need to decide if we are going to be friends with our consumers or enemies with our consumers, we are we going to who's who are we working for? If 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 we need to embrace consumers, we need to realize that regulators are just and this legislation is just a symptom of mm-hmm. us abusing our consumers to the point where they're mad at us and they want uh, they're they're. Politicians don't do stuff unless they're going to get a bonus from their consumers for doing it. Yep. Uh, they're looking to get such a huge PR gain by going after us because we've vilified ourselves mm-hmm. that, that they can actually score huge publicity points by abusing us. The whole of violence and video do. games uh, scenario of the nice so, is very so simple. We created, we created this. Mm-hmm. We, we set ourselves up for this inevitable uh, punishment that's coming our way. We need to uh, we need to, to throw ourselves down and beg for forgiveness and say what do we need to do to make this right? Uh, I mean, we know we've known the whole way. We just uh, mm-hmm. people the people leading our our industry have not been the kind of people who uh, I mean this, this is how I get blacklisted from this industry over and over again as I talk like this. But the people who are are steering this train are steering in the wrong direction, and we need uh, leadership that's going to be more consumer friendly. And then, uh, and then we're willing to work with regulators and see regulators as actually on our side. Regulators are just here to make uh, to help us yep. interface with our consumers. Um, uh, on what on, I think on the last time I spoke to a developer about this, he was talking about uh, again like reaching out to the uh, gambling industry in terms of its regulations and having them kind of work with developers. Do you think that would help at all? Wait, say it again. I think he was discussing about how the gambling industry has its own like regulatory committee for like what is and what isn't considered for, like fair gambling and bringing them into the conversation you know I, it's like oh we want to we want to see how we can milk dark side a little longer mm-hmm. uh, i think we need to just get off that path and start uh, not trying to see how we can be a dopamine sales company which is what we've been doing we're trying to basically trying to go down the same path as cigarettes i talked about this in my uh rise of game neuroeconomics uh paper where i talk about how we're just doing the exact same thing that the tobacco industry did 50 years later and the reason we're doing this is because it it worked it made a lot of money uh-oh uh-oh i think we're <laughs> I think Ron means a uh, computer ran out of juice. 
Oh my god. That was like the perfect time for it to end. <laughs> oh no. I beat the machine, everybody. <laughs> oh my. Uh oh. Alright, let me get back up to just me then. Oh no. We lost Ramin to the computer. The, com <laughs> the computer decided to stop Ramin. <laughs> up there, wow. I was just doing my whole uh, ending speech. Ramin ran. <laughs> Ramin changed locales. <laughs> my cat. Hello. <laughs> But um, I was going through, <laughs> but I know, again, like, as I was saying, we can keep talking for who knows how long, but um, I guess uh, I'll let you finish your thought then as to what people or what developers need to do. We need to, we need to reconnect with our consumers. We need to figure out how we can, first of all, we need to, fi we need, if we're going to hire scientists or mm -hmm. technology people, we need more scientists in our, in it in mm -hmm. in game development and we need scientists who are going to figure out what it is just like i talked about how cigarette companies did it mm -hmm. you know cigarette companies hired a, a neuroscientist to figure out what it is that made people like cigarettes and they found out that it was the nicotine well we need to understand better what it is that our consumers are mm -hmm. getting from our computer games and then figure out how to optimize that but not in a not optimize it in a way that like forms addiction i know that's mm -hmm. tempting because you figure well if you can enslave your consumer you have a consumer for life mm -hmm. even if you've just shortened their life um that's what we need to get away from and that's where we really need regulators mm -hmm. to try to, to jump in here and make sure that the playing field is clean and fair where we're not going to get people here who say oh let's try to encourage dependency because that's going to improve sales mm -hmm. that's that's a very tempting path to go and 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 while that may seem unethical to some people that seems completely fine to other people and those other people create industries that sell dependency uh we don't want that uh i mean mm -hmm. i don't want that i don't think most consumers want that and regulators don't want that and if it gets out of hand mm -hmm. we get this bill yep. um which we need to get we need to find a way uh this is a this is a really kind of a hammer of justice but it's just mm -hmm. a, such a, a a big fat hammer that's just yeah. going to bludgeon us and, and it's not going to get the result because mm -hmm. it's just going to take us out completely we need something a little bit more nuanced and that's only going to happen if we cooperate with regulators it has to come from the, within we had, yeah we had the chance to do that in 2013 mm -hmm. we didn't yeah. uh, the vice president of disney when asked why you're making these kind of games and and why you're asking for mm -hmm. self-regulation where ramin just showed us one of the game you didn't want us to see uh the, the vice president of Disney literally threw down her translator and fled from the conference <laughs> hall, which was a huge building, and went straight to the airport and, 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 and beamed up out of Panama uh, while the German regulator was asking her questions. Everybody's mouth was open. They couldn't believe it. But uh, they, they didn't really understand the depth of the problem I was describing to them until they saw the behavior of the Disney vice president. Then they realized they had a big problem, but they, but they still didn't know what to do with the, with the problem. And now you're getting... Six years later, you're getting these fairly heavy-handed responses in Korea, 
Belgium, China, and now finally in the United States, which really surprised me because we're not in a regulatory mood, but this is bipartisan. Mm-hmm. And, and there's very few things in the United States right now yeah. that are bipartisan. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and those few things that are bipartisan are just so universally reviled by the populace that, that, that anyone can score points with them. And there's very few things. It's a very short list of things we can think of. <laughs> well, apparently, computer games are one of them right now. And right. so we've gotten to the point where we're just like, just prime punching bag. It, 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 legislators will be lining up to 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 to, to go after this pinata. Draken Chaz is asking like, where about that whole Disney story about her fleeing the uh, panel? Like, I was curious about that too. Like, is there like any footage or is there anything like? I repeatedly that. tried to publish this. I tried. To, I was double confirmed to talk about it at GDC in 2014. Mm-hmm. At the last moment, all these things were canceled. Ugh. I've not been able to talk about this stuff until mm-hmm. last week when I went to Sweden. But basically, mm-hmm. I haven't been allowed to talk about this stuff in the United States. Mm-hmm. Not in a public forum other than with you, basically. Yeah. And I guess here's my final question. Again, like, I could see here we can be talking for the next few hours. Like, it's nothing. But I think this is a good point to end on, or at least this will even be a segue into our next conversation. But I know we've spoken about this before. Like, again, if from where you're sitting, like, your opinion is that loot boxes in, like, any way, shape, or form, that is just dark side uh, monetization that should be removed completely. So we're, we're using Skinner's boxes, and the people making the Skinner's boxes are not neuroscientists and don't understand the consequences because they don't understand neuroscience. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're just saying, "Oh, this is something that can help us," and they don't know and understand the consequences. Even to them, they don't even understand the negative business consequences of using these uh, these scientific tools that, that are beyond their comprehension. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're creating all kinds of problems that they're then blaming on other people. Uh, you know, because they, they might get a, a short-term boost in in uh, in spend, but then at day thirty they get a huge drop. Well, they'll just point the finger at somebody else. Oh, that wasn't me. I I, I actually improved things thirty days earlier. Mm-hmm. It was someone else who screwed up that that caused this dip. But really, it was the same person who was taking all the credit, who you gave all the money to, mm-hmm. which was the one that gave you this big dip. I mean, when I when I talked about how data scientists were actually going to reduce the amount of money our industry make in my data implosion paper. Uh, boy, data scientists came out of the woodwork from all over the world to just body blow me uh, in the comments to that paper. But everything I predicted in there came true, uh, even though it looked implausible when I wrote it, uh, because mm-hmm. it was it was mathematically certain. Because of what, if you actually understand what they're doing, uh, you'll see that that it's you get these short term gains and these long term losses. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I could uh, segue into just about general game design with people who don't understand the effect on the effects specific game mechanics and systems have on people, and what it means to actually study this. Because a lot of developers and a lot of consumers only look at things from the surface level. And if I get on that, we'll be here for another two hours easily. But uh, to get back to my question then, to wrap up our discussion, so in your opinion, what are examples of ethical microtransactions or monetizations? Again, I know you can't say specifics from your games or what you're working on, but what, like for people watching us right now, like we've spent the last, 
what's our time here? Almost an hour and 40 minutes talking about loot boxes needing to go away, the whole idea of fun painting to go away. So what would be considered fair ethical or uh, fair microtransactions for games? I really do have to leave in five minutes. This is the last question. Um, The way I'm tackling this is I think the, 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 the healthiest drug we can sell to our consumers is oxytocin. It's something that, well, you know, it took us 80 years to, uh, for lay people to misuse Skinner's boxes, and it could take us 50 years for us to misuse oxytocin once we understand it. But oxytocin is one of the most powerful beneficial chemicals in our body, and it's one that we're increasingly deficient in. If you can create oxytocin for our consumers you'll make Mm -hmm. unlimited cash and you'll benefit our consumers at the same time it's a win-win uh so uh my designs are all focused on boosting oxytocin production in destiny sword it's all about increasing community increasing interaction increasing uh feelings of of camaraderie and love Mm -hmm. towards each other in the game uh feelings of interdependency uh every time you're spending money it's helping your entire team not you uh so everyone's going to encourage that which causes like a positive reinforcement circle this is the type of stuff you need to do in order to make real money uh and and really honestly to counter all the 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 bad stuff we've been doing with social media and game development over the last 10 years all right and again there's still so much more we can talk about and at some point, we do. I do want to talk more about uh, Destiny Sword as well. But okay, uh, <laughs> that is a uh, again. That's another two to three hours, and <laughs> we do have to get going. But uh, what I mean, uh, if you wouldn't mind staying on the call for like one minute after we hang up, I just have a few last okay. minute things to go over with you. All right, I've got a movie to, to catch. So All right, then we'll move. wrap it up here. All right, everyone. But uh, we're see go- Godzilla. <laughs> nice. <laughs> But uh, we will end things here. So, again, Rami, it has been a pleasure hanging out with you. And like I said, when you're free, when there's topics, we can always have you back on. And who knows how long we'll go for next time. (laughs) It'll be long. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. But um, everybody, thank you for tuning in. If you're watching this recording like an ad-free version of this, be sure to check out our Patreon. It is linked down below. I'll include a link to the Kickstarter for Destiny Sword in the description. But yeah, as always, I'll be back later time for our regular game streams. So thank you so much for tuning in to this cast. If you'd like to come on for a cast, uh, be sure to let me know. But come back for daily discussions on game design here and on game wisdom, where is in the art and science of games. Until our next stream, everybody, have a great night, and we will see you all then. If you're looking for a book on design, my first title, 20 Essential Games to Study, is out now. It is available where most books are sold, and it comes in paper, hardcover, or digital copies. This is the perfect book for anyone interested in learning about game design, whether you are a student, enthusiast, or just a fan. Thanks for watching the video. If you enjoy things, be sure to do all the liking and subscribing that the kids are doing these days. Check out our Discord channel link down below where we hang out and chat game design and come back later tonight for our regular streamings. But that's it. And tune in for more great content here and on Game Wisdom, we are examining the art and science of games.